0: Produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. Welcome to Kind World. I'm Andrea Aswahi. And I'm Yasmin Ammer.
1: Andrea, you and I both live so close to a bunch of universities here in greater Boston. And it's right around this time that the streets should be filled with students taking pictures in their caps and gowns with their happy families... But of course, that
0: is not happening. I really feel for the class of 2020. You and I are celebrating 10 years since we graduated from college. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. And we can both remember just how exciting that moment was. It was so emotional. And we're clearly not the only ones thinking about how to celebrate the class of 2020. Educators everywhere are struggling to figure out that exact thing In the time of a pandemic. We're going to have something for them. It's just not going to be traditional. It can't be. That's Vanessa Clark. She's a superintendent of the Lacey Township School District in New Jersey. She kept thinking about what to do. The high school had already printed Congrats Class of 2020 lawn signs for each senior. But then she thought, why not kick it up a notch? But for that, she needed help from the township's police chief. So the next day I called him and I said,
2: "Uh, Chief, what would you think if I asked you if you could escort us to visit the home of every single senior in, in Lacey Township? And his first response to me was, you're kidding, right?
1: Oh, she wasn't. She had a caravan of about a dozen vehicles, teachers, board members, first responders, and they all paraded through the township, visiting the homes of all 266 seniors, from an acceptable social distance, of course. They planted the congratulatory lawn signs in front of each house and left behind a small gift bag with some senior swag. You know, T-shirts, coupons, water bottles...
2: And you know what was most amazing to me? That they were waiting for us.
1: They didn't know if we were going to get there at 9 a.m.,
2: 3 o'clock, or 9 p.m. But every time we
0: approached a house, they were waiting for us, which is why it was so important. It took Vanessa and the rest of the paraders more than 12 hours to visit all 266 homes, where they honked their horns, cheered from the street. Yeah, it was exhausting. But it was also exhilarating after weeks of isolation.
2: The fact that we actually got to see them after all this time, um, that's why for me it was uh, so rewarding. So, yeah, it's been the highlight of my career. I can honestly say that.
1: The story really tugged at my heart. I just imagine all the seniors sitting there and waiting for that caravan. So at least they felt acknowledged and they felt that moment of celebration.
0: And we have to remember that graduation is a milestone that's different for every senior, whether it's a high school senior or a college senior, maybe someone graduating from grad school. For some, it's marking a new chapter. And for others, it's a symbol of everything that they've overcome. They were the hardest years of my life. There were a lot of nights where
2: I'd put my kids to bed and I'd stay up until 1, 2 a.m., and I'd be exhausted, or I would struggle through an assignment because I I didn't know how to do it, and I would be really down on myself.
1: 27-year-old Clarissa McEwen spent the last five years studying business at Weber State University in Utah. And it wasn't easy. When she started, she'd just gotten out of a bad marriage, and as a single mother of two, she desperately wanted to change her family life.
2: I am the oldest. I have four younger brothers. And... My mother was addicted to drugs, and so was my father. And we ultimately ended up in the foster care system when I was really young. I guess we didn't have anyone to look to that,
0: just had a different lifestyle. Five years after she stepped foot on campus, Clarissa is now a college graduate. And did we also mention that she was chosen to give a speech for her graduating class? Her kids would see her at that podium in a cap and gown in front of everyone. This was a big deal. But, of course, you know what happens next. You spend years of your life, you know, nights, days, etc.,
2: building up to this moment. And to be told that you don't get to walk across that stage, you can, it's just an overwhelming wave of disappointment,
0: I think. That disappointment really hit Clarissa when she woke up last Saturday, the day that was supposed to be her graduation. And her now husband, Nate, he knew that.
2: I woke up Saturday and he's like, get ready. And I was like, I'm not getting ready. We're in a quarantine. I don't feel like getting ready. He was like, no, just get ready. Like you're going out or something. Like, okay. So I got up and um, got dressed and I walk out into my bedroom and my old cap and gown from when I got my associate's Um, was laying on the bed and my speech was sitting there and he had a bunch of friends and family on zoom and he had the graduation music playing so he put us he put everyone on mute and he let me share my speech with everyone. My name is Clarissa McEwen and each of us has a story. Some of us are the first in our family to graduate so maybe single parents supporting a family. Or we may be someone that was told their entire life that they wouldn't make it. As much as I would have enjoyed, you know, graduate, having an actual graduation commencement at Weaver State, this was just as amazing. It was really good. I started this journey thinking I can't do this. And now I stand before you today, and I can say to all of you, I did do it. Each of us came here to make a change in our lives, our families' lives, and the lives around us, and the lives of those who will come after us. So let's continue to be the change in the world.
1: Our congrats to Clarissa McEwen and the entire class of 2020. Wherever you're
0: listening from, we're proud of you. We'll be back with more Kind World after the break. Welcome back to
1: Kind World. I'm Yasmin Amr.
0: And I'm Andrea Aswahi. So Yasmeen, I'm really glad that we got to highlight education in our first story of this episode, because right now, teachers like my mom, administrators and educators across the country and around the world are showing us all how remarkable they are. They're continuing to teach our kids through the pandemic in any way they can. And it just goes to show, you know, they're superheroes. I still carry
1: around some wonderful memories from school and my teachers, especially the ones who really helped me get adjusted when I first arrived in this country. I mean, having the right mentor can change your entire path in life. And in the case of a Boston man named Elias Perea, it was the right caseworker, Mikiba McCreary. Elias and Makiba told their story to WBUR reporter Carrie Young.
3: I wanted to be somebody. I just chose it the wrong way got involved with like, not gangs yet, but you know, it was like being in the neighborhoods. You had to prove yourself. It was like two different gangs at the same time. My mother lived in the projects. I lived on a side street. My parents were were struggling addicts, you know, struggled with jobs. You know, it was a little abuse at home, you know, so it was troubled at home.
4: The reality is certainly like where I have grown up in this city. A lot of my friends either ended up in prison or dead or, you know, with HIV or, you know, all of these strung out. At the point when I was a caseworker, um, Elias was on my caseload, and our jobs, we, we picked them up from home, drove them to school, and then drove them back home, and so we were really with them for the length of that day and then often saw them, like,
3: weekends and nights. She she used to come drag me out of bed sometimes. <laughs> These buses used to come get me, <laughs> right? There were small buses.
4: You had little school bus signs exactly. that popped up on the top. I think it's... he used to make us put them down <laughs> when we came to get you. Okay.
3: But we'll have them bump the music, like, no, nah, put our music on, like, to to like, to like, make us feel good for the ride and stuff. like. But, I mean, she just, like, brought me into her world. I, mean, you, I met her parents. Like, she... She was a big sister and a mother, auntie, everything at the same time, and I always will remember that. Listening to Elias talk about
4: those times made me remember. Uh, viscerally, I can feel how fine the line was always between building trust with kids who had absolutely no reason, no reason to trust you, um, more evidence that the world was not going to take care of them, and sort of thinking, yeah, how far do you push that line, you know, in terms of a relationship and how much, like, they deserve, they deserve it on steroids to be in a space where they're safe and where the adult that is there can sort of meet all of their needs. But frankly, you can't.
3: She always gave me my respect. I gave her her respect, like the other, the other staff that was there. And you had to at least have some type of trust and respect because so they, they, I see that they was trying to nurture me and give me that, that type of trust to show like, yo this is different, you could do this different. And now I can give that back. the work I'm doing right now, being a case like a case manager, like I, don't, I didn't think I could do this job when I first started. but then when I started interacting with the students, like they just like me.
4: Yeah, I love this kid. <laughs> he still, he's still um, has a, a part of my heart that is a really strong, good reminder that it's important to take care of each other in this world. It's important to create spaces where, even just for a moment, somebody has a sense of safety. That
0: was Makiba McCreary and Elias Perea, Elias now works at College-Bound Dorchester, a nonprofit in Boston that encourages current and former gang members to go back to school. And Makiba is the Chief of Learning and Community Engagement at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. Their story was produced by WBUR's Carrie Young.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to Kind World this week. Be sure to follow us on Instagram for more of our episodes, plus a behind-the-scenes look at how we make our show— we're at WBUR Kind World.
0: Kind World is a production of WBUR, Boston's NPR station. Paul Veitkes and Matt Reed do our sound design. Sophie Eisenberg is our WBUR fellow. Catherine Brewer is our managing producer and editor. And Iris Adler is our executive producer. I'm reporter and producer, Andrea Aswahi, And I'm reporter and producer,
1: Yasmina Amr. Look out for our weekly moment of kindness in your podcast feed on Fridays. We're still taking submissions. So if you've got a story for us, call and leave us a voicemail. We're at 617-353-6350. That's 617-353-6350. We'll be back with a full episode of Kind World on Tuesday. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.